Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Once again, this is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today is a very special episode. We're doing something new today. This is an inaugural episode. We're going to start a new series, guys. And this series is called Favorites with Friends. So we'll explain a little bit about what this is. You know, one of the fun things about doing this podcast is we continue to keep meeting people, whether it's at MAGFest or whether it's just online, people that run their own podcasts. They might be musicians, composers, people in the industry. It's so fun to meet people and to make friends. So what we're going to be doing every once in a while on the show is we're going to have some friends of the podcast come on and share their personal favorite video game music. Music, and we're just going to have more of a laid-back conversational look at, you know, sharing some stories, talk about some of their favorite tracks, how it may be stuck with them over the years. So this is going to be the first episode, and we're really excited to have Tim Turry on today to talk with us. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's yeah, going thanks, great. Sam. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. For those of you who don't know, Tim Turry is the senior associate editor over at Game Informer. And we actually didn't know this, but Game Informer is located in the Twin Cities in Minnesota where we live. So it was a really nice surprise to find out that you live here. And so thanks for coming on, Tim. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Likewise, it was super cool finding out that you guys were here. I remember like listening to an episode where you guys were talking about, you know, a Christmas and getting presents for your mom. And you're doing these impressions and it's like... Uh, it sounded like Fargo impressions, you know, like super Minnesotan. <laughs> and then you're like, well, of course they'd be super Minnesotan accents. We're from here. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. I'm like, oh, well, you guys are within driving distance. And I've been listening for a long time since then. So it only made sense to introduce myself. That's so, so awesome. Cool. I yeah. love that sort of how small of a world it is. It's really unbelievable because, you know, I've been going to Game Informer and I've known about it ever since I was a kid. I had no idea it was located in the Twin Cities. Neither did I until I decided I wanted to try to work there. So that's how it worked out. <laughs> well, that sounds like that's working out pretty well for you. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you do over at Game Informer? So yeah, as a senior associate editor there, I'm there amongst a lot of other editors and I do like reviews. I get to write previews, you know, um, we, uh, we go to all the, the annual events like E3 or Gamescom or the Tokyo Game Show. Nice. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to like go on cover story trips and stuff. And like we always have like our big exclusive cover stories and, right. and get to uh, meet awesome developers. I've, got, I've been super fortunate to meet people like Shigeru Miyamoto or uh, Hideo Kojima and talk with these people and interview them. And like... If That's you told, crazy. It's so crazy. Like, if you would have told me that, like, driven, you know, to wherever, whatever suburb, you know, I lived in, in Minnesota and told 12-year-old <laughs> me that, like, I get to do this kind of stuff, it would be mind-blowing, but... As exciting as all those things uh, to me is, is video game music. And that, so, is, that is so, yeah, I, I would say one, you know, one of the things we connected on uh, when we first met uh, with Tim not too long ago is video game music. We all are nerds of it. We all have <laughs> such a passion for it. And I think it's something we can all relate to because um, we'll, you know, we experience this at MAGFest is that yeah. most of the time you're, you know, you're living your life. Most people don't share this passion of video game music. But at least they don't vocally. And, and yeah, they don't really understand really what it is so it's so nice to you know be in the company of someone who uh, appreciates it so and you think that maybe i would have that sort of like sanctuary at game informer but uh-huh. still among other video game nerds and people that play and write about games for a living yeah. i still stand out as this weird dude because yeah. of how much I like video game music so finding you guys was really serendipitous and that's so that's so awesome we well, find asylum in one another yes so indeed. yeah so these episodes are going to be really fun like we said they're going to be a little bit more la- laid back a little bit more conversational we're going to be able to touch on things we don't usually talk about on the show as you 
guys know, we're pretty much all about the music, which is one of the things that we, you know, we strive for. But today it's going to be fun to talk about, you know, do you remember when you got this game? You know, what? why did this music stick with you over the years? Things like that. So let's get started here, folks. What you guys heard uh, playing in with was from Sonic Colors. And just a reminder, every single track was picked today by our friend Tim Turry. So that was uh, the special stage from Sonic Colors, and that was actually the DS version. Is mm-hmm. that right, Tim? Yeah, the difference between the DS version and then the Wii version was that Dimps uh, developed the, the DS version, and they mm-hmm. actually carried the torch for a long time with like Sonic Advance and Sonic Rush and, oh, cool. and those, yeah. all those, you know, the the handheld games that actually stuck closer to the original Sonic right. formula. Yeah. You know, Carl and I, we talked a lot when we first met each other about a very strong shared appreciation of Sonic, mm-hmm. and that's what I grew up playing on Genesis. And I've, through Game Informer, I've reviewed a lot of games and a lot of Sonic games because I came in there knowing a lot about the series. And I've been kind of disappointed over the years by right. a lot of Sonic games. I think a lot of people have, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. And there's a vocal minority that lets me know when they mm-hmm. don't like what a review I've given. But <laughs> I remember playing Sonic Colors for Wii and being disappointed and then playing the DS version and being like, this is really fun. This is a really fun throwback. But what stood out, like really stood out, was these special stages where you're back in sort of like a half pipe, kind of like in Sonic 2. Cool. Perfect. And, and using you know the DS stylus to sort of guide Sonic through and collect these spheres. And it's playing this music and... The music that we just listened to, it's what it reminds me of is just classic Sonic music, but you know, it's not quite as involved or complicated, but it's almost, it's so hyperactive and it would just get me pumped up while I was listening to it. And it's almost, and it keeps on just escalating and escalating to almost a bit like obnoxious degree. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely more simple. Uh, there's not it's like that dance music. In style. the way of melodies, there's not nearly as much as the old Genesis stuff, but it's perfect special stage music because yeah. the whole function of great special stage music is to get the player amped, mm-hmm. to get them you know excited to do this because it's usually pretty challenging. Well, it sounded like really cool kind of dance beats, and it's nice to hear a little bit more uh, rhythmic interest back in the Sonic music because I feel like for the more uh, recent titles, they have a, a little bit more of a modern sound as mm-hmm. far as like a rock kind of pop Like thing. a Japanese pop music yeah. sound. Yeah. It, in, rock. yeah. It, it, to me, it doesn't really vibe with what the series roots are musically. And even though uh, old Sonic music wasn't necessarily like dance music, I think dance music fits at home in so much uh, game music. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to really check out the rest of that DS soundtrack uh, because, yeah, that was a fun track. So, okay, well, the first track we're going to uh, actually play, you know, in earnest today is from Alien Carnage. Now, you know, just a disclaimer, I know I can only speak for myself, but most of the, or a lot of these games I have no idea. I've never heard this music before. I've never played these games. So this will be fun for me to get introduced to some new stuff. So Alien Carnage, this came out for the PC. Is that right, Tim? Uh, yeah, that's what I definitely, that's what I played it on. Um, very, very fond memories of, early PC gaming uh, side-scroller with a jetpack, just shooting a bunch of aliens with a flamethrower. Awesome. Well, uh, the track that Tim wanted us to play from Alien Carnage is Mission 2 Factory Zone 1. And once again, this came out for the PC, and we're going to play a track that was composed by Steve Baker and George Stamatiadis. Here's Mission 2.
fun. You guys are listening to Mission 2 Factory Zone 1 from Alien Carnage, and this is uh, the PC version of this game, and this was composed by Steve Baker and George Stamatitis. Uh, definitely a Western track. This reminds me a lot of uh, a lot of Amiga music, which, you know, a lot of that music yeah. was composed by Western and people. And, Carl, this is something you were mentioning. It almost sounds like it was made on a tracker, just sort of like I the think quality of those uh, samples has sort of that distorted uh, quality to it. Definitely reminds me of Amiga. Uh, I, I really love that lead melody instrument. It sounds kind of like an instrument that they would use for like a laser sound effect, yeah, but it's, it's playing just, music. It's devious, isn't it? Which fits so well with just like going and blasting aliens and stuff. This this game for me is like really unique because I didn't have a great PC growing up. And mm-hmm. I would go to my cousin's house. This is the cousin that showed me like Wolfenstein 3D and Doom. Oh, cool. And then, you know, he had this demo sampler thing and this was on there. It was called Halloween Harry was the other name for it. And now, I was eight then. This song has been stuck in my head since I was eight years old. <laughs> I, I, you know, and this is where nostalgia comes in. Yeah. I recognize that this is maybe not like one of the most iconic game songs or tracks of all time. Right. But there's just something super playful and kind of like, it, it's almost teasing and um, especially like there's a part where it seems like they take like the melody and then they invert the melody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when the bass comes in, it almost has like it's, this Ferris Bueller's Day Off like bombastic quality to it's, it. It's huh, definitely yeah, there's a lot saying, of yeah. there's a lot of humor in this in this in this song. One thing that I think is is good and why it's effective in a game like this is it's not incredibly like scary or intense. Like it's it's a it's winking at you, mm, and I think that totally. kind of a tune well, like, yeah, makes you want to keep playing. When it's yeah. something that feels like self aware, it knows what it's doing, and I agree with you. It is a little bit of like an earworm, just like the kind of playful chromatic things really kind of yeah. stick in your head. It's like this really long sort of adventurous melody mm-hmm. and uh, it just goes all over the place. And as you're talking about... It's like, so chromatic. Yeah. You know? And you're, you're talking about like winking at, at, you know, the player and it's sort of... You're just going in like... It was the it was the early '90s, like so. It was just like a blonde babe in a red dress, and you go, <laughs> you rescue her, and then you blast the aliens, and it right. knew what it was. Yeah, yeah. and so that's what I re- that's why I appreciate why kind of how cheesy that track is. Right. Absolutely, yeah. If it's almost like parodying like really old school kind of synthesizers that you get in kind of a crappy sci-fi movie. That's why I really like that melody instrument, but like the music is a little bit more kind of fun and groovy. Well, yeah. well, yeah. This is cool. Now we're gonna move on to a lot less goofy of a sound. Track. This is a lot more serious. Uh, we're going to move on to a Genesis game. One of our called, favorites. Yeah, Castlevania Bloodlines. Now, this is definitely you know, a track that we're very familiar with. We love this soundtrack, you know, obviously as well as Tim. That's why he wanted us to play this today. He wants to play Reincarnated Soul, which is stage one. And this Genesis game was composed by Machiro Yamani. Do you remember when you first played this game, Tim? You know, I played this game. I, I would go to the, the, the video rental store and I remember growing up and my cousins had Nintendos on the other side of the family and and I always had Sega stuff not mm-hmm. bad that's a great childhood in fact your <laughs> Master System and Game Gear uh, episode recently really spoke to me because yeah. that was the music I grew up listening to okay and so I would see franchises like Castlevania being played on like the Nintendo and Super Nintendo and be like right. oh I want to play these things and then suddenly I saw Castlevania Bloodlines appear on the shelf and like Oh my gosh! Like this yeah. is finally intersected with my life. I can play a Castlevania and the music game. Is just as good as a lot of those. Yeah. yeah, and you know I didn't get much further than the first stage because uh, it was a hard game. And... <laughs> so you were definitely familiar with this track. Yes. So yeah, this is stage one, composed by the wonderful Machiro Yamani. This game came out in '94 for the Genesis. Here we go.
awesome. You're listening to Reincarnated Soul, which is stage one from Castlevania Bloodlines for the Genesis, composed by Michiro Yamani. Yeah, so so what do you have to say about this one, Tim? I, I don't know about you guys. I mean, there's lots of amazing Castlevania tracks, and honestly, I think that the Castlevania series, it's a, it's a hard toss-up against, like, Mario but mm-hmm. and Sonic. It's so tough, but honestly, Castlevania, for me personally, is some of the best music, and until recently, I don't know, I probably would have thought that like Vampire Killer was my favorite track, but right. I would absolutely back up Reincarnated Souls being my favorite Castlevania song, because we were talking a little bit about this, uh, is, you know, Super Castlevania 4 is really cool, it got a little more ambient and a little more moody. Which but is impressive for when it came out. Absolutely, and this just kind of has this driving melody and yeah. harkens back to those classical roots, and it's so sinister and and ominous, and such a great, like, kick off to an adventure. And also yeah. embracing the sounds of the oh FM my Yamaha chip yeah. on the Genesis. One of the most comfortable uses of that of that stuff because for classical music, I feel like oh my god, it really goes hand in hand. Because you can mm-hmm. almost hear, ooh, that's like an organ or like yeah. that's like harpsichord. Yeah. It really works well and I think the thing that I really love is Machir Yamani is such a great composer for this series and she feels so at home. Like you mentioned, this really sounds like those NES titles where something like Super Castlevania 4, uh, there's a couple tracks that I like, but it doesn't really carry the traditions of and old nor, Castlevania I, music. Nor I don't think was the intention. I yeah. think it was really trying to do some different stuff. Exactly. Especially if you listen to the bass line alone. Like, mm-hmm. strong percussion and that bass line is just so hoppy and fun and uh, it balances yeah. out sort of like the sort of evil vibe of that Yeah, song. I feel yeah. like with this track... If it wasn't for the drum beat, it wouldn't be nearly as fun. Like it feels very authentic and classical, but what makes it fun is the cool rock drum beat. Right. That's what know? I love about video game music is you're able to like combine eras and genres and like present something that's, you know, very musically classic, but just by putting, you know, an electric bass part and a drum line yeah, on and, it. Yeah, and and also it's so you much have more to you have to think about that kids are going to be playing this and what's so cool is that you know i don't know how old you were when you played this it came out in 94 but um you know as a kid you're introduced to classical music that you most likely would not be listening to if it weren't for playing this castlevania game that's that's a great point um you mentioned like how old i might have been that actually raises another good point with how sinister that track kind of was Mm -hmm. uh and how spooky i thought the original 8-bit games kind of were Mm -hmm. is that bloodlines really ramped up like there's some blood and stuff mm-hmm. like that and some gore um and so that's sort of reminds me of being younger and and, and checking that out for the first time but right. another thing i was actually going to mention this soundtrack uh there was a wii game that came out called castlevania the adventure rebirth i don't know if you guys ever checked that out oh, i but never i never know it, it, it took a various like selection of castlevania tracks and it remade the game boy castlevania the adventure mm-hmm. game. right but every single track sort of has like this they took like the fm synth sound and everything has that sort of like there's like an fm synth coding over all the castlevania music to it whether it was from you know genesis originally or not and they just sort Mm -hmm. of ramp it up so if you love that sort of like crazy obnoxious synthy just fun that the genesis (laughs) which i do yes indeed you gotta you have to listen to uh castlevania the adventure rebirth that's a great soundtrack that is awesome we will definitely have to check that out so now we're going to keep the genesis fun going here we're going to play another track from a game that came out hey the same year as castlevania bloodlines it couldn't be more different this is sonic and knuckles oh my gosh now talk about nostalgia i definitely share tim's nostalgia i remember vividly when marty brought this home from home video which was the rental store we went to and this game was so cool because you could attach on sonic 2 and yeah, 3 mind-blowing so so you know when you think about sonic and knuckles 
What I guess my question for you is, what about this track? Tim wanted us to play Death Egg Zone Act One. You know, you know, why did you suggest this track? Uh, for me, this track is just—it's so like dense with just action. There's so much going oh on, gosh. but yet everything still stands out. Like the the beat, the bass, the melody, and then the color that happens. Like the, the, there's little touches to the melody, uh, and and you know, the reason that Act One specifically stood out to me is you listen to act two and and really the bass drops out Mm -hmm. and it's a strong melody but for a a final approach to the last guy like to the last fight with robotnik or close to it like this was so driving and it's just easily the standout track from sonic and knuckles i think for me but also it's also one of those sonic like genesis tracks that people don't talk about that much absolutely i I will say that it is the most epic and intense uh in the whole game remember getting to this level it's like oh my gosh i don't even think i can do this it's so (laughs) intense and i think what's cool is that similar to doomsday zone one of the things we love about doomsday zone is it's very badass and shredding and demonic but it has a nice melody on top of it Mm -hmm. surprisingly so so let's take a listen to death egg zone act one this is composed by a multitude of composers we'll just say sega sound team here we go Gosh, this really brings me back. You guys are listening to Death Egg Zone Act 1 from Sonic & Knuckles for the Genesis, composed by Sega Sound Team. We don't know the specific composer, but all I was able to recognize is whoever composed Flying Battery Zone definitely, I think, composed this one as well. Yeah, you, I, it's weird. All of a sudden, I just was reminded of something. This reminds me of a, a Sunsoft track. Do you remember Return of the Joker or Revenge of the oh, Joker? Yeah. Uh, there's that One of the tracks that I remember we played on the podcast, just that opening riff kind of reminds me mm-hmm. of that, but you're so right, guys. Like, this is so shreddy and kind of badass, but it's so melodic and it retains sort of the positive so, energy that Tim, Sonic Tim, do you remember, was this after Doomsday Zone or was this before? This would have been right before okay. because um, I have specific memories of this. Uh, also, I want to note that as they just gradually drop instruments there to build mm-hmm. up just, just the percussion and the bass before like the, that loop yeah. is amazing. Um, but that this is, is really effective. This is the ramp up to Doomsday Zone because specifically I beat Sonic and Knuckles and Sonic 3 together, locked them on over and over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. And I never really paid note to like the fact that once you stopped, once we ran out of like Chaos Emeralds, you started getting Hyper Emeralds. And then once you got all the Hyper Emeralds, <sighs> so if you got all the Hyper Emeralds by the time you got to Doomsday Zone, I think mm-hmm. it was, uh, then you get the real ending to the game. If you right. haven't gotten all the Hyper Emeralds, you will never see Doomsday Zone and have to like sort of, you know, intergalactic chase with with Dr. Robotnik. It just right. it sort of ends right before that, before it's he so escapes. It's so funny, uh, all the hours we spent into that getting like a different two-second sprite. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no really, kidding. was this worth it? But, you know, it was it was worth it because of this music like this. Yeah. You know, this is what made it worth it. The experience was so fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally, yeah. It's something that um, I remember being interested in that game is I didn't know the whole thing about the Hyper Emeralds, so mm-hmm. the first time that I played them with uh, three locked on top, I wanted to get all the Emeralds as quickly as possible yeah. in three and then I'm like well then Knuckles is just going to be a piece of cake because yeah. I'll have all the emeralds and then it's like oh 
wait, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> when was the earliest you guys got Supersonic if you're just playing three? I feel like I definitely have got him in, I want to say Marble Garden, or is that crazy? Easily. I remember yeah. flying around that yeah. stage because it's so vertical. It and is. if you have Supersonic, um, it helps so much. I don't think you can get them in Hydro City or Hydro Probably. I mean, there's there's a bunch of hidden um I feel like, entries, personally, but... it was harder to get Supersonic in 3 than it was in 2. I don't know if the special stages are harder. They're, they're harder to come across. My big claim to shame is that I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten, I've never beaten Sonic 2 with all the Chaos Emeralds. I honestly think okay. that those are, I've done it with every other game, and I've, you know, I got Hyper Tails, Hyper You think those special Knuckles. stages are harder? They beat the crap out of me. That's even, if you, even if you I, drop off Tails. I who, wonder if it's because that was literally, I think I played Sonic 2 every single day for the majority of my childhood. So I think, I, think I spent well, so much yeah, time I got with those special stages. with just those special stages, because when I was really little, uh, Carl would play it, and he, the, the, um, the CPU Tails, is terrible. Really he, screws you over. He does. Absolutely. So he would, have me, delay. he would have me take over just to play Tails, <laughs> just to follow yeah. him so that okay. would And die. I would, I'm sure I would yell at you and be very oh, mean to you very if you such rings. That, that will temper some, some sibling bonds right <laughs> Honestly, there. every yeah. time I still play that game, I'm reminded yeah. of doing that with you. So let's move on here. So now we're going to move on. We're going to really spice things up and move on to the Xbox 360 to a really great game and really cool soundtrack, Super Meat Boy. This was composed by Dan. Annie Baranowski, and the track that Tim brought in was The Battle of Lil Slugger, which is the chapter one boss. Anything you want to preface this track with? Um, I think that for, aside from maybe like Hot Damned, which is another great um, Super Meat Boy sound or track, this was like, mm-hmm. this really set the tone for what was going to happen to Meat Boy after that. Like the intro level is this sort of like, you know, classic green side scrolling, and like, it gets progressively harder with more buzz saws and uh-huh. instant death all over the place. Yeah. But then the battle of little slugger kicks in and it's like you thought that was hard this is yeah damn near impossible with for your first few attempts and uh it really set the tone just with how intense it is definitely yeah. a trial by death oh my game. gosh Indeed. is it ever yeah it's so funny much fun. if you haven't played this game one of my favorite things is when you complete a level it actually will simultaneously show like a replay of every single oh, yeah. attempt you've ever it's made. It's so funny to watch it. Yeah. You're reliving all those all those terrible memories. Okay, so here we go. This is Super Meat Boy: Battle of Lil Slugger. You guys are listening to The Battle of Lil Slugger, which is the chapter one boss from Super Meat Boy for the Xbox 360 by Danny Baranowski. 
I remember this track vividly. <laughs> I love the soundscape that Danny created in this uh, soundtrack. It's There's really a lot of rocking stuff. There's a lot of really good VST synths. Very unique. Very I, colorful. Yeah, everything, all the choices seem very intentional, and they blend together nicely. You know, like here we have such an innocent-sounding little keyboard instrument yeah. mixed with that very grungy metal yeah. guitar. And it takes a minute to, before it like really kicks in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful, what's beautiful about that is I think that that probably times up with about like. You kind of like hop past the first couple buzz saws, and it's like, and then you died. And the beautiful thing about Super Meat Boy is it keeps playing the track even if you die right. repeatedly, so you don't <laughs> exactly. get taken Which out of it. Which is a great idea. Yeah, otherwise, so they did so that. I wonder if early on in development they didn't do that, and then they had to test him, be like, guys, we need to loop this because like this is going to be ridiculous. That would be so absolutely jarring. <laughs> and that's what helped me get into the songs, and then the song keeps playing, and you get motivated, especially absolutely. by tracks like that. And, you know, that's what great video game music does, especially for really challenging side-scrolling games like that. It's mm-hmm. like, you get motivated, and you feel like, all right, I can do this. And as long as it keeps playing, it's like, I can beat. And know. that was one of the things I really enjoyed about Super Meat Boy, is it reminded me of that feeling I used to feel as a kid with these side-scrollers. The music like, is, is so much more important <laughs> in those experiences, because right. if it's not for the... That's what keeps you going, where it's like, you're playing this beautiful game, you know, like Last of Us, you know... Do you really need music? Not. It's like everything is so immersive and atmospheric. Well, and old school games were like all action all the time, right. and so the music yeah. could be kind of all action all the time. Where modern games, you know, they take their time to pace themselves. Probably not as slowly as like films do, but you know, there's a lot of downtime mm-hmm. for the music. Yeah. You know, what's fun is is you mentioned like just how motivational it is. I've looked on like eHows and I've seen like tips for like oh how to concentrate better at work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, hey, here's a life hack for you. Like listen to video game music. Like, yeah. Classic video game music. It's, it's <laughs> it has no lyrics, so it's not going to distract you, and it's made to motivate you. That's and such a great idea. It's great. I, I mean, we do it just you know, by default, that, yeah. <laughs> as, as do I. So That's awesome. All right. So here we go. We're going to now move on to a game that Will and I are very familiar with, and we love this game. This was so much fun. This is Nintendo Land for the Wii U. It's the pack-in game, you know, the game that everyone gets with great the Wii U. Great soundtrack. I was so impressed. Yeah, this, this was composed by the wonderful composers Hajime Wakai and Ryo Nagamatsu. Rao Nagamatsu was recently confirmed he is one of the composers working on Mario Kart 8. Which I'm getting for Carl for his birthday tomorrow. It gets released. We record these podcasts early. It's yeah, super so these fun. Are, these are great composers. It's did fun. you get to review it? Uh, I didn't review it, but I, I did get to play some of it. It's incredibly fun. Nice. What What do you think of the music? Uh, probably the best in years. Yeah. 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 We, we were so blown away because, you know, as of late... Real instruments for Mario We've Kart. not been the biggest mm-hmm. fans of Mario Kart music. Uh, I would say, I mean, ever since 64, it's been a slow decline in my mm, opinion yeah. so we were so excited to hear that but anyway let's not get sidetracked <laughs> nintendo land for the wii u such a fun game maybe the only great use of the gamepad that we've ever seen is like the one and only use of so, it the, some of the most novel um, uses of but it, it's yeah. really fun and this is the main theme right that you want us to play main yeah, plaza yeah let's do it here's the main plaza
You guys are listening to the incredibly catchy song Main Plaza from Nintendo Land. This is the the regular version. There's an 8-bit version, mm-hmm. which is cool, but this is the regular version composed by Hijimo Kai and Ryo Nagamatsu. You mentioned how catchy it is. I was, uh, you know, I mentioned having like the pleasure to go on cover story trips and mm-hmm. one of our cover story trips from from years back was before the wii u came out we went to go play uh new super mario brothers u and nintendo land and we visited uh, okay. the american headquarters for nintendo and we got to check out nintendo land and, seattle right uh yeah absolutely and we got to check out nintendo land and oh my god like the entire like after, even after the trip the week afterwards we were humming this song the <laughs> entire time That's we could great. not get it out of our heads it's undeniable well, what yeah. works so well about it is so much of the melody relies on that one note, the and what's great about that is because the melody is just hitting that one note. It allows the chords to change around, yeah, which they so are. You yeah. get the impression that it's a different note because all the chords are changing around it. So the note really means something different every time it strikes. But it's so catchy. Now, Will, uh, do you prefer this or the eight-bit version? I really like this because of the um, real performers, but I guess I can't pick. I'd probably say this because. To me, it's like the 8-bit one makes you realize this is classic Nintendo yes. music, mm-hmm. but yes. this is like a very novel realization of that melody. This, this one, you like almost envision like Mickey Mouse, like Steamboat yeah. Willie style, like dancing to yeah. it with his arm stretched oh, It's just so, so happy going. Well, and it's yeah. a little bit more, you know, it, it's kind of more legit having real uh, modern instrumentation. It makes, it makes Nintendo feel like something kind of classic that can stand the test of time where it doesn't need to be these kind of digital sounds. Absolutely. And it fit, you know, I made like the Mickey comparison without even thinking but you know it's sort of inspired by disney world or yeah. disneyland Absolutely. because hey what if nintendo did that yeah. so mm-hmm. i think they were probably channeling and some so of that cool. disney yeah. it's like stuff. subconsciously it's taking, or consciously well, it's right, taking right. the things that make classic nintendo music great but presenting Which, them in sort of a theme we've park. talked mm-hmm. about the linkage so. between that and classic disney music yeah. before so that's well, interesting so many times when we're listening yeah. to video game music we hear a lot of those same kind timelessness of timeless mm-hmm. chord progressions and melodic techniques well now it's time to move on to one of my personal favorite nes soundtrack and I can only imagine Tim's because, you know, he suggested this. This is from Castlevania 3, and he wants to play the Prelude theme. It's We've co- played course. this on the podcast many times. I want to say at least is, two times. This but, is one of our favorites. Did you guys play the Nintendo version, or did you guys, or like the NES version, or did you play the, the Famicom version? NES. I think we played you, NES. Okay. I specifically, I the, the reason I was excited to show this one off is because, you know, the Famicom and, and Famicom cartridges were able to, you know, accommodate uh, extra chip and a channel mm-hmm. uh, later on and I I'm, have you guys made the comparison yet and kind of listened to this version of it at all no I it's haven't it's so great I'm so excited for you guys like we could do an entire you could, you could do an entire podcast on just the differences between the Castlevania 3 on NES well, and I know they added the Famicom version Konami uh, sound chip kind of yes w- no what did they what, what sort of like the technology behind that I mean I think a lot of it came down with also the Famicom disc system which was mm-hmm. a- around at that time and then sort of bridging the gap and allowing them to do that with their cartridges and the i think just the hardware of the nes versus the famicom right um the famicom was designed in such a way that if the publishers want to integrate an extra channel um mm. that it the, the actual system could accommodate that whereas the way the nes was designed once that cartridge technology was developed right the nes was already sort of cemented uh and right. the famicom sort of had that that extra internal magic so to it, that uh, vrc7 only comes to play with the disc system yeah, yeah, that's that's, cool. that's that's generally the understanding I have of it. But uh, you know, I went to I went to Japan specifically and bought like a Famicom and just Castlevania three for it uh, for the soundtrack. I think nice. you guys are going to really dig it. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, I've only heard just a little bit of uh, Castlevania three with this new sound chip, but I'm super excited. Let's let's check it out. 
Wow, yeah, I just need to make a disclaimer here. I, I've never heard this version. I don't have a lot of knowledge on this. This is so different. Yeah, I've heard the main stage theme with this VRC7 version, but I've never heard this, and I love the bass is, like, so low I guess and we buzzy. need to do it's some more cool. research. So are we are we sure that's what this is? This is the VRC7? Yeah, this is, it's called the, I, I know that it was made for with this game in mind. It's called the Konami VRC7. Okay. And it includes, I believe, Five channels, so it's more than just oh, the FDS. Wow. There's a lot of pitch channels, and they have a completely different timbral sound than just mm. like the FDS was just all the NES channels plus one that additional is so one. Crazy. But these yeah, are like completely I, new sounds. I'm happy that I don't know this because now I get to experience one of my favorite NES soundtracks in a completely different yeah, light. Yeah. I don't that, know why I've never heard this. It's but. such a, it's such a fun like ride doing that, especially with you know we were on the uh, the Master System episode. You're talking about mm. demakes, yeah. You know what I mean, and how it's kind of yeah. weird to hear like you know, your favorite tracks with a little bit less to them, but then you rediscover there's these versions that have a little bit more without sacrificing, you know, what made 8-bit music well, so great. It makes me yeah. so excited because I can't imagine the original um, NES version of Castlevania 3 being any better, being any more right. full. It's one of the most exciting, full-sounding well, NES yeah, soundtracks, so it blows composers, my mind. They really, uh, they, a lot of old-school composers really took their time to make sure that the um, lower-quality versions of the music, well, this is something Peter McConnell talked about, is like, like uh, not just making it for the optimal sound set, but also making it for the kind of the crummier set of sounds and making sure that everyone's experience the with sound the music blaster, would be right? um, the same across oh, the board. That is so great. I'm so glad you uh, showed that to yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be exciting. I'm so excited for you guys to, to dive down that that rabbit hole. And, yeah. and thanks for clearing up. I wish I, I could speak a little more eloquently about the hardware <laughs> and stuff, but man, there's just so many weird deviations between yeah. the there's, you know the Western really and Eastern hardware sometimes. So. Yeah, I was yeah. super I think, you know, intrigued by that kind of bass sound. I feel like buzzy. there's this kind of subculture with these chiptunes people nowadays with VRC7 I see mm -hmm. all these VRC7 remixes of Genesis music like right. Angel Hill Island Zone VRC7 oh, yeah. well, and there's remix. also there's a Sunsoft uh, there's a separate chip that's Sunsoft uh, developed hmm. kind of like this where it's its own unique set of instruments and yeah sounds. well i was always under the impression that that was sort of the case with this but you know i may be a little mistaken mm -hmm. at the end of the day i've always like just thought about how for the most part japanese castlevania fans grew up with this wholly different soundtrack yeah, yeah it's just this and if they were to to, to pop in you know the uh, the western version they'd be, they'd like, be like where yeah, it's what missing yeah exactly. and, and whether or not you know we're talking specifically in the technical level it's different yeah, you yeah. Know? right well, the thing that Simply, i do like about different. the nes is there is sort of a, a glue where a lot of famicom games um just if you have the cartridge itself version it would sound like the nes like for example metroid um that soundtrack being so great on the fds it's really the disc system Mm -hmm. that's making it sound yeah. like so uh, we're now going to move on to Final Fantasy 12 this is XII of course Fitting we're going to we play just had our Final um, Fantasy episode yeah which was a lot of fun so we're very you know we're definitely welcoming more music from that series. This came out for the PS2, and Tim, you wanted us to play the Final Fantasy theme. Is that right? Yeah, you know, honestly, if I had to choose a favorite Final Fantasy track uh, across the entire series, it would just be the Final Fantasy yeah, theme. You know, right. this this started in, in the, the first, first game, the first game, I'm and this so is just glad. you know, this is just a really full realized version of yeah. it. So, so I'm so glad we're doing by it. Uimatsu. Yeah, I'm really glad we're doing it because last week we were thinking, uh, should we play uh, the Final Fantasy theme? Which we didn't. We decided we played. Against it because we played it on the first episode, so I'm so glad we're yeah. getting to do it this week. Here we go. This, this is, is the Final Fantasy theme from 12.
simply masterful. That's the Final Fantasy theme, and we're playing the version from Final Fantasy Twelve. Thank you so much for letting us play this one, Tim. You know, I have a question. What was the first Final Fantasy game that you ever played? You know, I, I think it was probably Final Fantasy IV. I'm going by the Japanese numbering. Uh-huh. Um, so some people may have played it as Final Fantasy II on Super Nintendo. Right. I, 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 I checked it out with a friend, and I didn't really get into it. And then Final Fantasy VII came out, and mm. I had a PlayStation. And, and everyone it, was into it. Right. Everyone got sucked into it, and I went forwards and backwards with the series. Yeah. All the way up to... Um, you know, Final Fantasy twelve, but in part of going back with the series, I discovered that this was the song, this track was a thread throughout yeah. uh, that wove a lot of those those games together. And mm-hmm. it's such a like it's such like a rousing and like sort of triumphant and hopeful track. And it's something I wanna I wish I would go through college all over again if I could just graduate and walk mm-hmm. to this music. Because it, yep. it sounds like I should be graduating and <laughs> well, like I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, it sounds you say a lot that because like he's definitely going for pomp and circumstance. Well, right. or if not like the just that specific sort of era of very mm-hmm. academic sounding scholarly music that Classy. composer uh I think his name is Edward Elgar. Mm-hmm. Um uh but there's also like a composer Mussorgsky writes a lot of music in that style but yeah it's a very it's kind very of interesting regal. period mm-hmm. uh, but this totally you're right it fits mm-hmm. in with that sort of academic uh, sound yeah, and music I, and to I hear could, the orchestra do it yeah I could go for that switch mainly because I'm so darn sick of that pomp and circumstance yeah. march so, well yeah, this is much more nice. epic and kind <laughs> I of actually every semester in college I, w- I was in the, the wind band and we had to play at every graduation so you I played, played drums <laughs> you know yeah triangle or whatever <laughs> Uh, whatever you know what have you multiple times every semester my entire college career I do feel bad for the tubas though the bump 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 what's funny most people to realize that's only one section of that song there's a whole other part that most people don't know it's time for a switch though right they (laughs) they need to switch over to the Final Fantasy theme yeah Yeah. it's about time have you seen Fantasia 2000 the whole uh, because they play the entire I've seen Fantasia 2000 yeah yeah all right, now we're going to move on to the NES, move backwards to Ninja Gaiden. And this was uh, composed by Kaiji Yamagishi and Ryuchi Nida. We're going to play Act 4, Part 2. That was the track that Tim brought in. So let's take a listen to that from Ninja Gaiden. Here we go. are listening to Act 4 Part 2 from Ninja Gaiden, composed by Kaiji Yamagishi and Ryuchi Nida for the NES. This game came out in 1988. When did you first play this one? Uh, so that's an interesting question, and the reason I brought something like this with me and, and why I'm excited about it is because you guys talk about like you know nostalgia kind of tinting the way that you look at these old tracks, and sometimes it's hard to separate, you know, yeah. why, why did I like this? Do I like it because I, I, you know, because this is a good thing, uh, or this is a good track, or that I liked being 12 when I was playing this game, experiencing it for the first time, sure. or whatever. Could this be is, both. Exactly. You know, it definitely, it's absolutely a mix, and I would, uh, I would attest to that, but 
This is one of those games I didn't play this growing up ever. I okay. only played snippets of the Ninja Gaiden games, uh -huh. and then I went back and I started just diving into the soundtracks. I'm like, this is some of the yeah. best stuff, and it's independent of nostalgia. I yeah. have I don't have a ton of experience with this series. I've thrown my I've thrown myself against Ninja Gaiden one and gotten beaten back because it's very hard, <laughs> but so hard. I had a, I had a friend in college who that was one of the things he always did on Friday nights with played Ninja Gaiden for the NES. Nice. He had made a lot of Facebook statuses about like, sure. all right, here I am. This is where I am in Ninja yeah, Gaiden. I never yeah. bought the second one because I still haven't beaten the first right. one. Right. Your friend's a masochist, by the yeah. way. I think yeah. he is. <laughs> I think he is. This wonderful track. Great suggestion, by the way. This is one of my favorite from the game. You know, we need to play more Ninja oh, Gaiden yeah, I'm on down. the podcast. I'm totally I, down. It's really cool to hear because this is actually... I, I did play these games not a lot growing up, but I mean, I did... Uh, play them and I was sort of familiar with the music so I wish it's that, great to hear that on its own they still hold up yeah. in our I wish that the modern Ninja Gaiden games would sound like this <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, no kidding music is very different alright let's time to move on here um, yeah so we're gonna play a track now Tim wants to play a track from Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots which came out in 2008 for the PS3 and it was composed by Harry Gregson Williams and the track that Tim brought in was Metal Gear Saga so you know where does this fit in this game so what's interesting about this track is that the Metal Gear Solid theme that played, uh, I think it was during the credits of the first game. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, uh, I don't know if you guys know, it's like, and that's a really, I think like, we've played it. Yeah, I've, you know, I think I've, I've listened to that episode mm -hmm. for sure. And that track was great and it meant a lot to me and it was great for the series. But as the years went on, they moved away from using it and mm -hmm. came up with something like the Metal Gear Saga to kind of replace it, and it followed some sort of, like, legal troubles that they had where oh, they realized really? that maybe Gregson Williams was, like, inspired subconsciously um, by uh, uh, some classical Russian music oh, wow. that followed it. It seemed, like, a little bit too close, and the people that owned the rights to it approached Konami, and they're like, yeah, you know, this is sort of weird. And since, I don't know the specifics, they've been tight-lipped about that, but since then, they've sort of moved away from that, and they've <laughs> kind of lifted up the Metal Gear Saga track we're about to listen to as okay. a replacement. I think it's a great replacement. All right, here we go. You're listening to Metal Gear Saga from Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. Uh, this came up for the PS3, and this track was composed by Harry Gregson Williams. You know, Gregson Williams, is a, he's been with the, the franchise for a while, and they have, ever since the early MSX games, and 
they have this great sort of like uh, electronic feel to them mm-hmm. that really sells like the sort of like cutting edge military espionage technology vibe. aspect of it yeah absolutely and Harry Gregson Williams has always kind of melded that together with a lot of his his uh, his music especially his film scores because he's originally a, a you know a film composer and stuff like movies like Deja Vu sure um, sure and uh, kind of akin to the work of Sean Callery you yeah. know 24 composer um, kind of the similar nice mixture of electronic and orchestral that's an interesting comparison too because mm-hmm. now the voice of Solid Snake uh, or I'm sorry, I should I should say Big Boss or, uh-huh. or Naked Snake or Big yeah. It's uh, that's that's who the character turned into uh, later in the series. But uh, Kiefer Sutherland is now oh, the wow. voice of of, of Snake, which is pretty cool. So that's it's sort of this weird one of the best voices in absolutely. the business, folks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, I I just thought this was a great track. Um, it I, is. It's yeah, really wonderful. really epic and really sells. Now, like just as a piece of music, what would you prefer, the original Metal Gear Solid theme or this Saga theme? That's a good. That's a good question. Like forgetting, pretend that you didn't know there was any controversy behind it. I, it's. I would probably say the Metal Gear Solid theme, like yeah. the first one. It's 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 great, and you know it does that thing where it cuts away, and then it does go really electronic. There's a for reason a while. why he stole that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, and there is allegedly, like a simplicity allegedly. to that melody that I think is. It's probably a little bit more emotional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's great. This I'd is great agree. too. So so now this is fun. Wow, it's really changing it up here, folks. Let's go to the SNES to one of the most famous and well loved soundtracks ever composed super mario world definitely in my top condo (laughs) yeah super mario world came out in 1990 uh it was included with a lot of snes's not all of them but there was a lot of snes's where um the one we got where we got this unopened snes from some church rummage sale Mm, and it include mario world in the box yeah if you Um, didn't own it growing up you knew someone who did and you had access to mario my best friend Dwayne had mario world and i played a lot of we all had our Dwayne's. we all had our (laughs) Dwayne's. i miss Dwayne. Dwayne, shout out um, <laughs> this is castle theme, right? That's what you want us to mm-hmm. play. Uh, we don't really need much, you know, context. Everybody knows the song, yeah. right? It's, oh my gosh, it's classic. Let's play castle from Mario World. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Castle from Mario World, composed by Koji Kondo, and we didn't mention, but yeah, this is this week's track of the week, folks. It's definitely, uh, Tim said it was probably the standout track in this playlist that he brought, and it's so far, it's definitely our favorite, too. We love, love, love this track. I know you guys are definitely big Koji Kondo fans. It's almost impossible to be a video game fan and and not be, uh, but this Mm -hmm. track to me is, I think it's, honestly, I've always loved the Super Mario World athletic theme, but Mm -hmm. this... This is just like a piece of video game music stands head and shoulders above any other Mario music and there's and I've I've been th- listening to it a lot recently and there's reasons why like that build up like the intro yeah. and how they build in all the right. instruments like what's beautiful about that is up until this part of the game it's sort of been happy go lucky and fun mm-hmm. and right. The thing about a castle, the castles in these games, is like everything's out to get you. Like almost yeah. like Meat Boy, we were, like we were talking about. There's so much more death lurking around every corner, and this this track really puts you on edge. And it yeah. takes its time building. Oh I feel yeah, like there's it's a very a complicated song. emotion here. You know, I, I, a lot of games, and my problem with the new Super Mario Brothers series is a lot of its music is very simple musically. Like it's the, too the castle goofy. themes are just kind of like dark and mean. But this mm-hmm. is like there's a tragedy to it. Oh and yes. it's really beautiful and like it tugs at your heartstrings and what i think is so impressive it's again it's an arrangement of that Mm -hmm. same melody Mm -hmm. but this is one of the best examples of taking a major melody turning it minor and it feels completely it might be in my opinion the best example i've ever heard in my life i can't think of another it's like the arrangement so sells it like you were saying tim and the 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 bass is just consistent and what's what's amazing is if i'm not mistaken like that intro part plays Mm -hmm. and then it just loops after that so yeah it never goes back to the intro it it doesn't so you've Mm -hmm. made it it's like oh my gosh where am I, this looks scary and then yeah you've once, gotten past that it's like there's so much on the line and that bass keeps going and it yeah, keeps it, escalating once that comes in it actually never leaves yeah. once that's introduced that's where the loop continues from and, to, for which me is so interesting that just holds the tension there and yeah. makes every little jump and every encounter with like a you know a dry dry bones or something <laughs> like super super weighty and uh there's really you could say a lot about that track. Um, right. It's it's easily one of my favorites of all time. And it could have been such an easy option for him to kind of phone in. You know, it's like, oh, I'm using a melody again. I'll just make it minor. Mm-hmm. I'll try to make it dissonant. But what I love is it's very complex, a lot of emotions. But and even that, that ostinato, that arpeggio that's moving, each note is meticulously crafted. Mm-hmm. There's no dissonance. There's not like a lot of sense of tension and in this track. It's such a far cry from the first Mario and right. it's also mm-hmm. also from like the airship music from Mario Three. It's just so different mm-hmm. in yeah. its own way. Um, and and the best thing about these variations, the thing that no matter what, at the end of the day, if you're doing these variations, the most important thing is, does it stand up on its own? Yeah, it's cool that you're using that melody, but if you just listen to this, mm-hmm. can it be effective? Right. And Absolutely. yes, it's very effective. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't even make the connection that it's the same. Melody. Right. So so you know. A Far Cry for Mario World would be Far Cry. So that's actually what we're going to do. That's a good next. point. That's an absolutely <laughs> We're going to move point. on to Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Now, I don't know a lot about this. This is an expansion. Um, did it have anything to do with Far Cry 3? That's the beautiful thing about this game. Uh, I have a lot to say about this game. But what it was is is actually, that was the tricky thing with this game, is that it was actually just a standalone downloadable game. Okay. And uh, Far Cry 3 was about being on a jungle, uh, like island jungle, and, and yeah. fighting some, some pirate dude and it's modern day and and but this was just like well let's take the far cry engine what people like doing it completely slice it off and use that to kind of resurrect like 80s action and science fiction yeah. movie type vibes um you know stuff with like shoestring budgets where like the you know the the dudes uh, the cyborgs you're fighting look like they're just wearing you know like you know 
neon tubes strapped to like biker helmets and stuff like that. It's <laughs> yeah. it's harkening back to synthy eighties films like Terminator, or RoboCop, mm-hmm. or Predator, and stuff like that. That's nice. awesome. Yeah, we played one uh, track. This is Power Glove did the, did this soundtrack, and we played one track. Uh, I want to say it was one of the later tracks in the game. It's very daft punky, but we mm. haven't played this so far. This is the Blood Dragon theme. Here we go. for listening to the Blood Dragon theme from Far Cry, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. This soundtrack was by Power Glove, and this came out for the 360, PS3, PS3 a couple years ago. And if you're listening, uh, this is a something that confused me early on, is there's a video game metal cover band called Power Glove, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, I, that's just, I think it's their all one word, and then this power glove is two words. Two words. Yeah. Um, but Don't sound- get those mistaken, guys. Yeah. Bad things happen. Uh, <laughs> but this game soundtrack is so great. The reason I chose this one is because it's just, it's got a more, like, uh, I, I feel like standout melody, and it really establishes, I feel like, the identity of this game. Like, it's not taking itself very seriously. And it's so on the nose to those soundtracks they're going Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I feel like a lot of that music is more melodically, you know, like a lot of 80s music yeah, I mean, is what inspired most video game 80s music. Most 80s score is way more melodic mm-hmm. than the stuff you'll get today. Yeah. Another thing that's interesting about modern games, and especially like modern indie games, there's lots of indie mm-hmm. games, we talked about Meat Boy before, that kind of harken back to that 16-bit style mm-hmm. with a little bit more traditional music and, and traditional gameplay, and that's harkening back to a part of the 80s and early 90s that was all about, and that's all about harkening back to games as they were back then. Mm-hmm. And this is a game that's like, well, we're going to take a game and harken back to movies of that era. Yeah. And, and with that came like really memorable music, and this right. music while really cheesy and nostalgic is I think there's it's tongue in cheek but at the same time it's really fun and yeah. really cool well they're doing they're nailing it I mean it's like it's one thing to go, it's kind of ballsy to go for something cheesy and mm-hmm. nostalgic you know, it but feel like it's nail making it, fun of it yeah you know? right then it's very effective, which it is. So and, and I definitely recommend going down the rest of the rabbit hole with Power Glove. And there's other bands like uh, Carpenter Brute or Perturbator uh, or Kavinsky, who did mm-hmm. some of the music for the movie Drive. Uh, there's just yes, some, yes, yes, yeah. There's similar. this kind of like retro '80s synth mm-hmm. uh, sort of renaissance going on, and it's yeah. a lot of fun. And Power Glove's part of that. Awesome. Well, now we're going to move back to the Genesis. We're going to play one more Genesis track. Tim brought in a track from Golden Axe, the first game. You know, I think we played some uh, tracks from Golden Axe Three, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, this is from the first Golden Axe. He wants to play Battlefield. The soundtrack was composed by Turo Nakabayashi and Y Dolphin Takada. So, you know, why did you bring in Battlefield, Tim? 
Golden Axe definitely holds a special place in my heart. Um, it's a Genesis game. I grew up with a Genesis, and mm-hmm. it was two-player. Um, you know, it was originally an arcade game. You can play three-player, a dwarf, barbarian, and then a, a lady warrior. And it was, it was just, this is such a driving, dark fantasy track. Like, it just reminds me of being on the battlefield it doesn't remind me of it because I've never been on a battlefield before but <laughs> it gives me a nom yes the exactly 16-bit field of war yeah it just it, yeah. it feels like it fits really well for just moving from left to right and killing all of the weird orc dudes in between yeah, yeah. And, and one quick thing I want to say is I'm familiar with this soundtrack and this track this came out in 1989 for the Genesis very primitive use of the sound chip you're not going to hear a lot of fancy bells and whistles you're going to hear something that sounds more close to our early arcade music which is not surprising so let's take a listen to Battlefield from Golden Axe. This is my favorite part of the song right here. This is Battlefield from Golden Axe. A turn into just such a beautiful, sonorous territory. Like, gosh, I just wasn't expecting that. Definitely the climax emotionally. Well, yeah, it's like it starts off a little bit more about chords rather than melody. You know, it's like we get those uh, instruments that, I don't know, I think they kind of sound more like brass Mm -hmm. in the way they're harmonized. They really kind of sound like big, powerful brass. And you don't get that writing on Genesis a lot. And then it goes back together. There's Mm. like that amazing moment too. Yeah. Um, but you were saying. Yeah, I was just saying, like, this is early Genesis music, and what's cool is the the instruments that they use and the way they use them, you don't hear in later Genesis games. This tradition wasn't carried and picked up by later composers. This feels very, um, like, not a lot of Genesis music at, at all. The, at the same time, I can't imagine Golden Axe any other way, yeah. you know? Sure. Um, I feel like Yeah, they... this reminds us a little bit more of, like, some Sound Blaster, like, LucasArts yeah. PC games. Oh, I, I really can totally like see that, especially I'm thinking of, like, Fate of Atlantis and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. One track in particular, I'm, I don't know, I'm thinking of, like, when you're at the college, you know the part mm, when that, you're, like, yep. you fall down, like, the incinerator mm-hmm. area, and you have to... So the training yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it'd be fun to have an episode, like, just on that soundtrack. It's, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's not all fantastic, but it would but be, be kind very of fun nostalgic. to just seep yourself in that oh, world. I, yeah. That, yeah. that game was, honestly, it's it's what... 
that game is just what the fourth Indiana Jones movie should have been. <laughs> yeah. It, such a fantastic well, it's like, game. It's some of the yeah. peak of brilliant adventure game design. I think it's like when they were at their most exciting and probably their most like appealing to a variety you know, guys, of guys, I, I don't want you guys to get too sidetracked. You know, I have to keep this, this mm-hmm. you know, I have to keep That's the reins tight. good point. We are just talking about yeah. uh, Indiana Jones yeah, now. Yeah, we have to well, keep the reins tight here. Let's finish this strong here. So now we're going to give a quick shout out to a track. Um, you know, this is one of the tracks Tim brought in. Uh, we're not going to play it today for the sake of time, but he really enjoyed Save Room from the first Resident Evil, which came out for the PS1. You know, if you've played the series, you're already hearing it in your head. And mm-hmm. the reason that I think it's such a great piece of music is because it evokes this sense of calm without totally offering you complete respite. It's there's Which like, all the Save Room themes have. Exactly. And you knew it before the door shut behind you that mm-hmm. it's like, okay, here's a brief, uh, you know, sanctuary from the it's storm. It's such an important part, especially in the early Resident Evil Absolutely. games. Absolutely. Damn, those damn ink ribbons, though. Yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> now we're going to move on to, you know, similar world here. This is a track from Silent Hill 2, which came out for the PS2, a pretty early PS2 game composed by the wonderful Akira Yamaoka. The track that Tim wanted to play is Promise Reprise. Here we go. listening to Promise Reprise from Silent Hill 2, composed by the wonderful Akira Yamaoka. And yeah, uh, Tim was uh, saying, you know, one of the unique things about, you know, Yamaoka's work in the series is, you know, in a time when it's not as common, uh, he's the sound designer as well as the composer. And just the soundscape for those Silent Hill games is so, it's, you know, from from moving through your inventory to clicking on a save icon or, or what have you, it's... It's just all haunting mm-hmm. in only a, a way that, that Yamaoka could, could do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that this game... I, I think you guys have played Promise before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this has always been my... They play this movie, this version in the movie, the Silent okay. Hill movie, and that's where it really made me realize, like, oh, oh my gosh, so gorgeous. This is an excellent track. Really yeah, wonderful. The one thing that's so rare about um, Yamaoka's talent is he's able to do subtle ambient stuff as good as anyone. He's able to have the incorporation of music and sound effects in one thing, one package, as well as anyone. But he's also able to inter- intersperse these really beautiful, tragic melodies. Yeah that are just so powerful they hit you right away almost yeah, I mean, more he's than a, he's a brilliant composer and i think it's interesting because like carl you were mentioning how he worked on like the ganbar goemon series and stuff but now he really is being sort of triumphed as sort of like the new era of game music and you know his knowledge and his talents for sound design really kind of manifest themselves into the music a lot and I think that's really important and I, I really agree Tim it's really sort of a nice little gem to have the composer and the sound designer in this era because you get that wonderful cohesion between all yeah, the music one and One last thing we, we were talking about guys when the song was faded down is that uh, Yamioka is so interesting because he uh, worked in 16-bit era games before Silent Hill really fun games like Ganbar Goemon you know this is a guy who has those kind of chops I would be so interested in seeing him do a project nowadays that is just completely different than Silent Hill I, I would 
would get a kick out of see that. See what he can do, yeah. Yeah. So, because, you know, I think he's been in this world for so long. Let's now move on to a game that I have never heard of before. So I'm really excited about this. Uh, Tim brought in a track from a game, Asura's Wrath, which came out for the recent generation, 360 and PS3. It came out a couple of years ago, and it was composed by Chikayo Fukada. So what do you want to say about this track? Brief setup is this is developed by a, a developer called Cyber Connect 2. They did a lot of the Naruto games. Um, okay. And so they've been surrounded by anime and anime games uh, for a long part of their careers. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's so obvious in Asura's Wrath because it's an action game that's mm-hmm. framed like an anime. And it has oh, cool. like, you know, that commercial gr- break stuff. And it's also inspired a lot by, uh, you know, Japanese culture and history. Right. Sure. And this definitely harkens back to, you know, Japanese folk music. Oh, great. Very so, feel. yeah, so the track is In Your Belief, ethnic version composed by Chikayo Fukuda. Here we go. That's really powerful. You guys are listening to In Your Belief. This is the ethnic version of this track from Asura's Wrath, composed by Chikayo Fukuda. Great job, Tim. That's a great pick. Yeah, I, you know, it's one of those few games where uh, it's a, one of those few modern games where it has this full, great soundtrack, but I, I put it down and I can't remember anything. Yeah. And this is one of those games where I just... I went back to it over and over again, and I really dug into this uh, this this tune. And, and is you, this one of the standout tracks? Like, it, does it happen in an important part in the game? Yeah, you know, I, the specific location of it it doesn't stand out to me. It mm-hmm. may have actually been the credits, okay. which may be why I, I could be wrong, but which mm-hmm. may be why it was like fresh in my memory when I finished the game. But right. uh, it's worth checking out the rest of the soundtrack, okay. I think, and awesome. the game itself is very cinematic. Very cool. Wonderful use of instruments. It's great to have all real performers, but a lot of traditional Japanese folk instruments here. Which we love to hear on the Beautiful playing. I mean, it's really exquisite, and it's like 
I don't know. It's so nice to get those great melodies. You know, those are the moments that really kind of stand when out. When you and, combine it with the real instrumentals playing melodies. That yeah, that I, I feel composed, like it's yeah. like uh, production, sound, performance. Those are things that should enhance the music that's already written. And I mm -hmm. feel a lot of composers kind of, once they realize that they're going to have those as assets, they, they're sometimes not as intentful about the music choices. And other times I feel like they get on their A-game like, oh my God. I need to write a part for this well, Shamisen player. That's I want to try. Yeah, to that's make an it interesting discussion. Possible. Is like how sometimes uh, those those aspects can like bring a heightened sense to the music, and sometimes they can. I feel like this it. is what happened with 3D World and Mario Kart 8. Is you know some of these Bringing same composers the that music, worked yeah. on Mario Kart Wii. You know, Ryo Nagamatsu. These guys. I think the fact that they are like, oh hey, by the way, guys, we're gonna have a full bang, big band. We're gonna have a drummer. We're gonna have a guitar player. I think that may have scared them into writing more intentful you music. Know, it's like being a decent actor, like a beat actor and mm -hmm. suddenly you find out that you know opposite Tom Cruise yeah yeah exactly you realize like oh my gosh I have to yeah. elevate my entire game and I think yeah. you guys nailed it on the head that's cool so now we're gonna move on to the last track we're gonna talk about in earnest today this is from Super Mario Land 2 six golden coins one of Will's favorites uh, this is composed by Kasumi Tataka came out for the Game Boy 92 uh, let's play athletic man this is fun here we go <laughs> Will cannot resist to sing along with this. This is The Athletic from Mario Land 2 for the Game Boy, composed by the wonderful Kasumi Tataka. Didn't get to work a lot in the Mario series, but, you know... Hi, that's so sad Whatever he did uh, was great. You know, he's done some oh. great work. This is... You know, we talked a little bit before about how I grew up on, like, the Genesis side of the fence and mm -hmm. always peeked over at Nintendo stuff, but uh, one thing that kind of helped me get a, a little window into the world of Nintendo was I had a Game Boy. Oh, great. Uh, and so this was my Mario world when... Ah. And, and, it's so no inspired by Mario this World. This is my Mario World. This is my whole Mario World. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, honestly, especially the, the leap from Super Mario Land to Super Mario Land 2 is just astronomical. And yeah. the soundtrack was a huge part well, of it. It's like that. going mm -hmm. from the original Mario to Mario World. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, that's, a, that's a great comparison. Yeah. Um, and this one is, again, just like we, were, we opened up with Alien Carnage. This one's been stuck in my head for God. years. Yeah, that well, chord progression is so good. It, this is the one example where I feel like an outside composer influenced Koji Kondo in his work in the series because there's uh, there's some music and the Donut Lifts theme from Yoshi's Island yeah. one of the best themes Koji's ever written the athletic but theme yeah, yeah that athletic theme that Donuts Lift there's a section of that melody and that chord progression that's very similar to this and, and it came sure, out after I'm sure Kondo would have been familiar would have yeah. listened to this you know even if he didn't the, compose the, he'd be absolutely da, ba, ba, yeah. ba, ba, da, ba, that's great ba, ba, well, well one thing I just want to say thanks so much Tim for you know bringing in this is 
a playlist of some of your favorite video game music. It was so fun for us to have this other perspective of to hear, you know, some of the stories, to swap stories. This was so much fun. So it thanks was, for joining it us. It was a blast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. You know, I've, I've listened to the vast majority of what you guys have put out, and I've, you know, I listen to a lot of video game music podcasts, and I really like what you guys do here, and you're so knowledgeable on the uh, composition side of things, obviously. Uh, you know, I've even included some of uh, Carl's Sonic S music and uh, the Game Informer Show podcast, and it's right. it's so fun being able to talk with people that uh, that just enjoy this as much as I do. It's an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's so, so fun today to have, you know, more of an emphasis on the actual games and so much great insight that Tim was able to bring to the table. So we look forward to having more of these with other various friends of the show. Once again, this is Favorites with Friends, the inaugural episode. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We hope you have a great week. We're going to play you out with Tim's final suggestion. This is from Doom. This is Mission One at Doom's Gate, composed by Bobby Prince for the PC. Yeah, Tim, before we leave, can you tell us where we can find out stuff? Tell us a little bit about how people can support you and support Game Informer. Oh, yeah. So Game Informer is both a, uh, a magazine and a website. Uh, you can subscribe to us. We're sold at GameStops or you, know, you can go to GameInformer.com uh, and just come on by and 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 check us out. We, we play old video games on replay like, you know, six golden coins like we mentioned that and we go through and, and wax nostalgic on that and current reviews news all that you can follow me uh at tim Turi uh if you want i tweet about uh video game music all the time and that and is t-u-r-i thank you very much carl <laughs> and uh yeah thanks so much for having me again guys and and thanks for the community and, and the listeners uh for 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 letting me come on by and, and hopefully enjoy yeah it. and we kind of want to formally welcome you um just a little uh, teaser for you guys uh for halloween we have a really cool idea we're going to do a two-parter castlevania episode on the nes music and being that uh tim you're such a huge fan of the castlevania music we would love to invite you to come back for those episodes if you'd be interested oh man i'd love to that would be such a blast uh, this has been so much fun I, i'd love to just chat about castlevania awesome. for an entire episode well it's a date thanks so much guys <laughs> we'll talk to you next week peace out later